If you're listening to this, you're probably a fan of podcasts. Luckily, Hardware Retailing has two other podcast series for you to enjoy. On Taking Care of Business, Hardware Retailing Executive Editor Dan Trottencheck talks to industry veterans and executives to get the latest scoop on the industry and their business. And on Tell Me More, NRHA Retail Outreach Coordinator Renee Shanyan connects with retailers across North America to learn about their operations, unique ideas, and retail insights. You can access all three Hardware Retailing podcast series by visiting hardwareretailing.com slash pod. That's hardwareretailing.com slash P-O-D or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Editorially Speaking, the magazine podcast for the North American Hardware and Paint Association. I'm Melanie Mao, the managing editor for the association. On today's episode, we have NHPA Executive Vice President Dan Trottencheck. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you, Melanie, for having me on the program today. I'm usually on the other side of the microphone, as it were, with my uh, uh, podcast and presentations. So it's, it's a welcome change to be having questions fired at me. Yeah, I don't want you to uh, take too much control here. So leave the question asking to me, if you will. If you can, I'll just, I'll just act like it's one of my mini depositions and only ask questions that were answered asked. There we go. Sounds like a plan. So uh, this podcast episode uh, leads us into the last month of 2020, um, and I think people are are probably a little bit split on whether that's a good thing or you know whether uh, they're ready to start fresh. Um, so. Um, we're talking about a couple of things today, and I just kind of want to uh, look back at 2020 with you a little bit um, and, and think about, you know, what we did this year from a publication standpoint um, and, and a little bit of insight maybe from the association side, um, and then take a look forward at what we might expect um, going into 2021, which follows a very uh, unprecedented year, which is a word we've used a lot this year. Yeah, um, I, uh, I, I don't know. I think you're absolutely 100% right. I think that looking back at the year, it's really tough to say, <laughs> was it good? Was it bad? Uh, I think it, uh, you, you know, everybody kind of thinks they've been through the uh, the ringer this year one way or another. So, um so yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a year, and, and, and having written about it a bunch, and you've done the same thing, and, and it's hard to avoid using the term unprecedented. Yeah, I definitely challenged my editorial team to expand their vocabulary this year. I think in in regard to uh, challenging situations, um, there was there was a lot of back and forth on. What words do we use? What words do we avoid? Um, which which sounds silly probably to some of our listeners that we were that nitpicky about using certain words. But I think um, when you're consuming so much media about something that is so ever present, I think word choice is really important. And so so we definitely went through that in a lot of situations this year because we wanted to be respectful of what people were experiencing, but um, not downplaying the 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 severity of of what people were living through. So um, let's go back to January, 2020, Dan. Oh, when it was all unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it was, you know, I think we, we ended 2019, um, uh, you know, really optimistic about what 2020 would bring. Um, I think there was a lot of energy 
um, coming into this new year. And I think a lot of it was related to this kind of excitement about being in a year 2020. Um, you know, you're, you're 20 years removed from the millennium, what's happened in the last 20 years and, and what are we looking forward to in the next 20 years? Um, and how much has the industry changed um, too? So I think there was a lot of excitement coming into that. Um, surprise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we didn't really know much about what was, what was to come in January. We were living our normal lives. And um, is there anything you remember kind of in the first quarter of the year that, that maybe uh, you were looking forward to um, that maybe didn't come out exactly how you anticipated? Well, I I think that, you know, uh, yes and no. I mean, and I know we're going to talk about this today, but we every year um, around the November timeframe is when we start putting together the uh, NRHA, now NHPA, um, market measure report where we look at the industry and we look at what's happened throughout the last year and what we feel is going to come. So, this time of year, I always, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about what we think is going to be happening in the coming months. And I, I remember back in January, one of the things that was on my radar was I had so much travel planned in, in the first quarter. Um, you know, th- there were a lot of things on my schedule that aren't even normally on my schedule. So I remember going into January, my one of my first trips of the year was I actually went out to uh, Northern California to visit some of the old orchard supply stores that uh, the folks uh, with the CNRG team were looking at um, uh, transforming and kind of rebranding and revitalizing. And it it was a great trip. Saw a lot of the kind of exciting stuff that they were working on in in those stores. Saw some of what Ace was doing with the stores out there and and was kind of excited about uh, starting the year off with really looking at this new concept. And and then after, that was at the end of January of this year. And then we kind of went straight into the the start of the market season. And like I said, I usually get to almost every one of the major markets and I I was scheduled to speak at several of them. And on top of that, this year, we were going to be going out to Cologne to the International Hardware Fair. And then we had uh, uh, the Global DIY Summit, which was going to be in Amsterdam in, in June. And so just a lot of travel on my radar. And then the last trip that I ended up taking was I actually went down to um, the Oracle market last time I was on a plane. So the end of February, and then we got back and and the world changed for everybody. I I still remember um, uh, that was the last trip I went on a plane for, but the last trip I actually took uh, was a driving trip. We went up to meet with a retailer in Chicago. It was myself and uh, NRHA uh, president, Bob Cutter, and we stayed at the Hyatt McCormick place, and and um, and we were literally probably one of I, I'd have to say no more than a dozen people staying in the hotel. It was so eerie that the hotel was empty. The um, they had like two people working the front desk and and we sat at the bar down there and we ate dinner and talked to the waitress. And she said, yeah, they're closing the bar down after tonight. I don't know when I'm going to come back to work and blah, blah, blah. And that was kind of like the end of uh, end of kind of the, the sort of normal season. And then everything changed after that. 
Yeah, I remember that trip you took out to California because there were reports of COVID on the West Coast at that point. And so there was, you know, it was, it was, you know, removed, I guess, from us in the Midwest at that point. But there was still, um, oh, you're going out to the West Coast to be careful. But nobody really understood uh, what that meant. So, um, yeah, we're definitely in a different position now and you know everything through the through the prism of of history is is easy to see and understand and and um you know obviously um this we weren't the first place that that faced covid obviously it, it it came from um you know it cropped up in other parts of the world and you sure wish we could have done a better job identifying it and preparing for it. But but in another sense, it just came so quickly um, yeah. that, that it just, before you know it, everything was changed. And then I remember by the middle of March, we had closed down the NRHA offices and everybody was working from home. And, and, and at that time is when we... Um, you know, kind of started our COVID journey as an association. And, and now, you know, kind of looking on back at the months since then, just like all of your listeners, I, I mean, so much has happened in the last seven or eight months that it seems like it's been years. Um, and some of it, uh, you know, I think is extremely positive. Great, um, great stories of cooperation, great stories of people rising to, to the occasion and helping each other. It's obviously been a phenomenal business uh, for for home improvement. And, and I think another positive out of that isn't just kind of the short-term income that's been generated or sales that have been generated, but I think it's caused a lot of people to reflect on the nature of their homes and those investments. And I think that's going to stay with us for a long time. But obviously, along with that, you said this um, well at the, at the start of your podcast was, you know, there's, there's the, 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 um, I'm not going to use the word, the un-P word, but the, oh, I'll go to another un-P word, the unparalleled kind of tragedy mm. that, that we're seeing unfolding at the same time. And and I never would have thought, I mean, it, back in March, everybody was thinking, oh, you know, by, by May, we'll, we'll all, everything will be okay. We'll all get back together at the National Hardware Show. And here we are in November, and, and it looks like we might be facing the worst you know, uh, the, the worst months of, of the spread of this thing that, that, that we've had all together. So, so yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely in a weird place right now heading into, you know, what we've heard is going to be a really challenging winter season um, while also just receiving really promising news about vaccines. Right. Um, and so we're trying to balance this, you know, like, staying safe until the vaccines are available. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, I think back to that, that March timeline, like you mentioned, and and we were getting ready um, to put our May issue to print, which is our biggest issue of the year. And, um, and so we had to make a lot of last minute shifts um, with the content. And, and our biggest thing was making sure that the content was relevant to our readers and, and, you know, kind of showcased what we knew they were dealing with. Um, and so our team worked really quickly to put together um, resources for retailers, both in print and online. And, and we kept 
that database growing um, yeah. through probably the first eight, 12 weeks. Um, and, and that content all still exists. Um, so I definitely want to shout out to um, your nhpa.org slash COVID um, is where retailers can still access all of those resources. So we put together um, cleaning practices and um, we profiled a ton of retailers who were who just wanted to share, you know, what they were doing in their stores to keep their yeah. staff and their employees safe. So um, if anybody still wants to access all that information, it's definitely still available. Well, and I think that, you know, one of the things when I when I talk about some of the positives that I think we've seen over the last um, eight months, I, I want to, you know, first, um, completely sort of separate myself from all of the hard work um, and, and uh, Herculean efforts that took place from the hardware retailing and NHPA team to put those resources together. Uh, uh, it, you know, there's a lot of times throughout my 25 years within RHA that I've been really proud of, of, of the work we've done, but, but our team really rose to the occasion. And I know that's not what we're here to talk about, but, but I think it's important um, that, just like the, the the members and retailers we serve, the, the folks on the front lines in, in our uh, business and operation really rose to the occasion, yourself included, Melanie, um, to to get that information out. And 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 I think everybody had this this kind of uh, uh, focus of purpose that everybody kind of rallied around. This isn't just you know sharing best practices about merchandising. These are sharing things that are really important right now about how to, how to operate safely and how to continue to serve your communities. And I think um, that our team was certainly inspired by the stories that they were hearing from the retail landscape where, where, you know, you want to talk about the front lines, people were literally on the front lines of, of, of putting themselves in harm's way and, and, and employees um, at the retail stores willing to do that to make sure that their communities got what they needed to keep running. Um, and so that was really humbling. And another positive thing that I hope we carry forward is this kind of sense of community that I thought developed within the industry, you know, around COVID. So many retailers as typical of independent retailers coming together to help each other. Um, the distribution community and the and the vendor community coming together in ways that, that we've never seen before in my 25 years to say, we got to put down our flags and just help each other through this. Um, and so, you know, with, with NHPA kind of as being the Switzerland of the industry, um, it's so refreshing to see that and, and, you know, our kind of unofficial official motto in the last several years has been, we're stronger together. And I think there's probably been no better illustration of that than, than what the industry has been able to accomplish this year. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would would echo all of that. It's um, and, and we're still kind of telling those stories right now. You know, it's, it's one of those things that that. Uh, there are definitely stories still worth telling and, and retailers are still innovating to, to get through this period of time. Um, and, um, and it's really, it's really special to be a part of the essential retail sector. Um, that's definitely something that I'll remember, um, when this is behind us. Yes. And, and hopefully it will be behind us 
but like all major moments in history, ho- hopefully we will have learned from this. Um, and, uh, and again, I think some of the things we're seeing that kind of came out of this are going to continue to ripple, you know, as we move forward. And, and, you know, one of the big impacts, obviously, for our industry has been the financial impact. But, but again, like I said, I think it's also this rediscovery of investing in the home. And, and I hope that people continue, consumers and homeowners continue down that path um, after COVID is, is just written about in history books. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So um, while COVID has definitely um, taken up a good bit of our year, um, you know, just most of it, um, I did want to kind of talk a little bit about um, just some some news that, that came out about the association this year. We're kind of just yeah. going to touch on a little bit of everything in this episode. Um, and, and I think people, you know, if they've been listening closely, they may have noticed we've said NRHA a handful of times and we've said NHPA a handful of times. So um, it's, it's one of those uh, uh, slips we'll probably make um, uh, for a while. Um, but can we talk a little bit about um, what the North American Hardware and Paint Association is after people have been so familiar with uh, NRHA for so many years? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, just at, at, at our association, just like all of everyone's businesses, um, despite everything happening with COVID, the, the world kept turning. So business keeps happening. Yeah. And what I've tried to do, just to clarify this, when I'm talking in past tense about something occurring before NHPA was a thing, I still try and use NRHA, but, um, but it's like, this time slip. So eventually that will melt away. Um, so one, one of the big things that obviously happened for the association this year that we, that we hope um, and, and we're really um, looking forward to um, continuing to have an impact is NRHA. Um, you know, NRHA has been around for 120 years uh, with the same mission of serving uh, hardware retailers, home centers, lumber dealers, um, that are independent and helping them, you know, provide them with the tools they need to run better businesses. And um, there was for many years, uh, a kind of a sister organization, if you will, the paint and decorating retailers association um, who, who really kind of served that same mission to paint and decorating retailers. We all fall under that kind of home improvement umbrella, um, but we were just kind of walking death or pass and our associations had worked together very closely in the past. And, and, and this last year, um, you, you know, just due to business climate, a lot of things going on, there was an opportunity uh, for NRHA um, as PDRA was, was kind of forced to close their doors as an association um, that left us discussing with the team at PDRA, their board of directors, um, their president and CEO about how can we continue to offer services and continue to support, uh, independent retailers in the paint and decorating sphere. And so we made the decision to um, expand NRHA's charter, to expand NRHA's um, reach, uh, to also provide the same kind of services we have for so long to hardware, home center, and lumber dealers to paint and decorating retailers throughout the U.S. and Canada. 
And so that means a lot of things. Uh, obviously, we've changed our name, uh, you, you know, which isn't unprecedented. Uh, before, we were the National Retail Hardware Association. And then about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when we expanded our coverage into Canada, we changed our name to the North American Retail Hardware Association. And now that we're expanding our membership base to include paint and decorating retailers, that now we've changed our name to the North American Hardware and Paint Association. Um, and so that's huge in that it, it now allows us not only to deliver um, support content uh, and services to paint and decorating retailers, the 10,000 or so that are, that are um, uh, spread out across the uh, United States and Canada, but it also adds critical mass to our network of retailers. And why that's so important is that um, you know, go back to what I was saying earlier about our kind of unofficial motto of we're stronger together. One of the biggest um, challenges that independent businesses in the home improvement industry or really any industry face is, um, is uh, scale disadvantage. You know, basically three retailers make up $150 billion a year in sales uh, in this industry and the independent retailers basically make up the other 150 and uh, 60, whatever it is these days, uh, billion dollars in sales. So those companies like Home Depot and Lowe's have so much at their disposal that uh, one, one woman running a couple of stores out of Wisconsin, paint stores or, or hardware stores, they don't have access to that same kind of uh, scale. But by building on our mass, we're able to bring more good ideas together, share more information, uh, utilize the support from those 45,000 storefronts to deliver um, uh, more insights into what's, what's working at retail. And, and, and so we think it's big, not just for the association, but for the industry that now we have our brothers and sisters from the, the paint and decorating side uh, of the aisle. And we're all together in one big tent to help each other out. Um, and, and so some people know um, that we uh, had worked with the PDRA to publish um, their magazine paint decorating retailer. Um, and so we're continuing to do that. Um, it's, you know, it's an yeah. NHPA publication now. Um, and so we have, you know, just like you said, um, we just have the opportunity and the, and the benefit of, of having two really significant vehicles to communicate with these segments of the industry. So, um, we're really excited about the opportunities that are coming up in 2021 in both publications, hardware retailing oh. and paint decorating retailer, um, to to continue um, sharing best practices and and um, delivering you know um, just relevant content in those vehicles. Um, so um, I'm glad you mentioned. Um, the, the scale of Home Depot and Lowe's, um, because that takes us into kind of the, the, the big part of the December issue of Hardware Retailing, um, which should be available now um, yeah. if you're listening to this. Check your, check your desk. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this after December 1st, 2020, then it is available now. <laughs> um, so... The annual, what, what we've called uh, the industry's annual report, market measure. How long have we called it that, Dan? 
Oh my gosh. I have in my, in my, uh, uh, bookshelf credenza, I have a three ring binder that's like six inches thick. <laughs> that's got our market measure industries annual report going all the way back to, you know, I at least know it goes back to the late eighties. So we've been calling it that for a long time. Um, back to when I was wearing acid wash jeans and having a mullet. So it's, uh, <laughs> I actually never had a mullet. I was, uh, was going to call you on that. <laughs> so is that, but I did uh, acid wash jeans. is that, um, uh, is that backlog your bedtime story? Do you just kind of, uh, go back yeah, through I, it and reference like it every it. now and then? Have a nice uh, snifter of Armagnac and thumb through the uh, past issues of Market Measure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so for those who may be uh, new to this, especially on on the paint side, um, what's um, what does what does Market Measure do for the industry if we're calling it the annual report? Um, well. You know, um, what we always like to kind of look at it is, is one of our obligations um, as an association is to kind of be the publication of record for the industry, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, we think it's, it's probably, you know, a service that we need to provide that we kind of keep some kind of historical tabs on year by year what's happened in the industry, what's going on from a financial point, but also taking a, 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 a bigger look at what are, the, what are the kind of external factors that are driving the financial outlook for the industry. And so that's really what market measure is all about. We call it the industry's annual report because it's just like an annual report for a company. We, we kind of look at what's happened over the last 12 months financially. We do some um, projecting of where we think the industry is going to head. And then we try and provide some analysis, uh, like I said, of what got us there and what factors are influencing that. And, and honestly, when you look at an association that's been around for 120 years, um, there needs to be something out there that focuses on not just the individual companies in the industry, but the industry as a whole and, and what happened year by year that influenced that industry. And, and so, so that's why we actually think that market measure is not just, you know, interesting content that can have, you know, kind of real world right now applications for your business, but it's also something that, that's kind of a historical record of the industry. Um, so what's kind of the, the, the labor that goes into market measure? You've been, you've been doing the calculations for a while. And, and at this point, you're the veteran and you're looping me in. And as someone who is professionally an editor, the math is intimidating, but I am, I'm confident in my calculations this year. Um, so, so what, how do we, how do you do the projections and, and who do you kind of rely on in the industry to get those numbers? Yeah, I think that, you know, much like you, Melanie, my, my career before coming to NRHA, um, and it was NRHA when I came there, so it's not, <laughs> I'm not misstating. Um, you know, I was a journalist, I was a writer, and anybody who knew me, certainly in high school and in college, would tell you that I was not a big fan of the math. And uh, in fact, in college, I was so thankful that the only math class I had to take was math for liberal arts majors, which was basically like, how do you balance a checkbook? How do you <laughs> figure out the square footage of something, you know? Um, but when I came to NRHA, I really started falling in love with statistics. And, and it was a lot of the research we were doing um, 
And I had some great mentors, um, uh, Ellen Hackney, who was a managing editor for, oh my gosh, probably 40 years here, um, and was like the historian of the association. Walt Johnson, who was kind of our numbers guy, they really kind of put, took me under their wings and, and taught me a lot about looking at numbers, looking at the industry, looking at statistics. And, um, you know, one thing you find out pretty quickly and, and uh, um, when you start looking at this is, um, you know, sometimes math just, it, it doesn't lie, but sometimes there's a lot of art to math. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, when it comes to getting our figures, looking backward is usually, you know, looking at the last eight to 10 months or whatever it is, is usually pretty cut and dried. It is what it is. And, and you can kind of, um, you, you know, you can kind of put your finger on it and say, yeah, this is pretty much what happened. Um, I will say that this year that was probably more difficult than it has been in a long time. Where the art comes in sometimes is trying to do the prognostication for what lies ahead. Because I guarantee you, well, I, I, having done it last year, I guarantee you, no one would have predicted the kind of increases we're seeing this year. So it really kind of makes you feel um, somewhat subject to the whims of whatever occur in the world. You you know, you're kind of at the mercy of, of the market. And um, so we do our best and we have kind of modeling and, and, and procedures that we've used for the 20 years that I've been involved in it that, that are, that are pretty accurate. Um, so, so we, we use a variety of things. We look at numbers from the government. We look at, we look at our own research that we field throughout the year. We look at our cost of doing business study. We look at performance at wholesale level, performance at the retail level. And that's where we kind of get all of our numbers from. And then when we look forward, a lot of it is just good old fashioned. What do we think what is going to happen? What are other people predicting? What are our retail members telling us about what they think is going to happen? Because they're one step closer to the ground, um, as it were, than we are. So, so that's kind of where the numbers come. And I'm not going to bore everybody with kind of the way we do the modeling and all <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then we have some really good uh, colleagues in the industry from across the industry, the folks at the Farnsworth group, the folks from ITR economics, the, the folks from IHS market um, that all do these kind of looks at the industry. And believe me, I rely on their on their insights and, and what they have to say. And that always factors heavily into, into kind of where we get to. But I will tell you, like I said before, this year, it was real hard, particularly with the looking forward stuff. And, and one thing I'll say that was weird this year is because this comes out in our December publication, you know, we're starting to look at those numbers months ahead of, of when it comes out. And for anybody who's in retail or, or distribution or manufacturing, everybody knows that so far this year, you know, starting in March when sales were exploded, everybody exploding, everybody was saying, well, you know, it's going to be this way for the next 30 days, but then I'm going to budget down. Then in April, it's like, well, I think we're going to make it through Q2 and then things are going to fall off a cliff in Q3. Well, you know, as anybody saw a couple weeks ago now, the, the, the earnings reports from Home Depot and Lowe's came out, nothing fell off the cliff in Q3. And, and now people are saying, well, I think Q4 is going to be soft. So, um, you, you know, it's just been, you know, it's kind of like a bull ride. You hop on and, and you grab the rope and, and, and let the bull take you. Um, 
And so this year, uh, you know, we're predicting that when all things settle out, when you take DIY sales, combine it with some of the pro sales, that we're going to see increases year over year for the entire industry of about 12 to 12.7, I think is what we're, uh, we're, we're driving down towards percent year over year from 2019. On the consumer side, I mean, the sales were just ridiculous. I mean, you're seeing 20, 24, 28% sales increases. I talked to retailers this year that were saying they were posting uh, sales increases of 60% year over year in some months. And, and so, um, you know, and, and looking forward, we really think that not to sound like we sounded six months ago, but but things are going to come back to earth in 2021. And, and so we're predicting very modest declines by year end. But we still think Q1 and Q2 of 2021 are going to continue to be strong. Um, but we just think when, when things start to normalize a little bit, particularly around like a vaccine coming out and people have more options, maybe this spring and summer, and they're going on vacations and there's pent up demand for cruises and concerts and live sporting events. And if the vaccine has kind of you know, done its work, then we might see some home improvement spending fall off a little. But we also think there's some pent up demand on the pro side that that, that should uh, that should hopefully offset big drops in in home improvement. Yeah, included in the report, um, which is something we do every year, we consult um, with a housing expert um, and an and an economist, um, and and they definitely echo those sentiments. Um, one one data point that I thought was interesting was the relationship between home sales and um, and renovations. Um, and so our housing expert was saying that um, there's there's about a five quarter cycle with that relationship. Um, so you know the home sales that that picked up this you know in Q2 Q3 um, will convert into renovations um, about this time next year. Um, so there is still optimism there too. Um, yeah. I mean, some of the weird things that, that have just gone on, Melanie, that, that, that are crazy that, that you wouldn't think, you know, even if you took a bunch of analysts or economists or whatever you want to say, and just kind of did a, uh, a war room scenario and said, here's a scenario, a pandemic sweeps the United States and causing, you know, unprecedented increases in unemployment and, and, and blah, 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 and all this stuff. Most people would say, oh, well, you know, the housing market's going to go into the tank and blah. And we haven't seen those things. Yeah. So it, it's just this kind of weird scenario that's played out. And, you know, and through it all, interest rates are still at record lows. And so as people continue to move and as people continue to buy houses and it's long kind of considered, um, uh, uh, you know, the standard that the time when people spend the most on home improvement and repairs is when they're selling a house and when they're buying a house. Yeah. And as long as the home improvement mar- or the home sales market remains robust, um, yeah, home improvement's going to do well. Yeah. Another interesting thing to note that the uh, housing uh, expert touched on is, is um, when people renovate their homes after they buy. Um, So she said um, people who have purchased homes in the last three years spend about 30% more on renovations than owners who've been in their homes longer than three years. So if we consider um, the timeline of of those opportunities for renovation um, and all of the people who are buying and selling this year, then we still have, you know, 
three years of investments ahead of us. Well, and, you know, (laughs) one of the things I've always been a fan of when it comes to looking at statistics or trends or research is, you know, you kind of hold it up to the, um, you know, what do you think? You know, that's something Mm -hmm. that one of my old mentors, Walt Johnson, used to say is after you've crunched all the numbers, you got to take a look at them and say, does this make sense? Does this (laughs) echo with what you're feeling and what you're really seeing out there? And and so I always try and do that when I'm looking at numbers or even when I read a story about research. And, you know, I I think um, here recently I, I was out at my mom's house and she had some issues with the foundation of her brick home that, that was a almost a 200 year old brick house, but where there was some uh, uh, cement work that would need to be done. And, and, and I went down to her local hardware store um, and I was asking them there if anybody in the area did masonry work. And they said, well, yeah, you can call so-and-so construction, blah, blah, blah. But I'll tell you right now, he's probably not going to be able to fit you in until about March of next year. Wow. And, and so that just kind of says to me, yeah, there is a lot of pent up demand for remodeling for construction projects and so on. Um, and then, you know, again, you hold it up to the research you see and the numbers you were just quoting and it, and it makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I think this wave could kind of carry us for, for, for quite a while. I think on the pro side too, there's, you know, people have been a little resistant to having workers and, and, you know, professionals in their homes around their homes. And so they've been, you know, that's why the DIY boom was so big. People wanted to do these projects themselves. And, and so I think there's an opportunity for, either projects that professionals really need to handle or projects that professionals may need to fix because DIYers didn't do it right the first time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that that's more likely to come back. Um, I think people will feel more comfortable having a contractor come into their house um, sooner then they likely will saying, I'm going to book a cruise for my family. Yeah. So, so I do think that we, we, I, I mean, you know, again, we're being um, a little bit conservative about our projections for 2021, but sitting here right now, I would not be at all surprised if we, uh, if we see this kind of the sales increases that we've seen continuing. I don't think we're going to see months like we saw with uh, September or October, where it's 20% year over year increases. But it would, you know, we're predicting about a about a 1% decline by the end of the year. Uh, for the market. Would it surprise me if the market was up six or seven points? No, it wouldn't because there's, it's hard to predict. Um, what'll happen once that vaccine comes? What, I mean, we're all hopeful right now as we sit here, but maybe the vaccine doesn't come till later or, or, you know, so there's a lot of things that could just throw everything into a sideways spin, or it could be huge, uh, um, advantage for home improvement sales. Yeah. Um, So you are going to be talking more in depth about the market measure report on a webinar we're hosting on December 16th. Um, So can you talk a little bit about um, what people might uh, hear on that webinar? Yeah, actually, uh, December 16th, um, 
at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, so please uh, take a look at the webinar. We're just going to be going over in a little bit more detail everything I was just kind of talking about, the fact of what impacted this year, what did that do, you know, financially, but we're also going to talk a little bit about um, some of those ripples that might carry forward. We're also going to share information from our cost of doing business study, which tells you a little bit more kind of a, a one level down from more of a macroeconomic picture, kind of a more micro picture of how individual stores are doing. And, and some of those good colleagues of ours that I talked about, one of my best colleagues from the industry, Jim Robish from the Farnsworth Group is, gonna, is going to be my co-presenter for the uh, webinar. And so he's going to be talking about kind of what Farnsworth is seeing as those kind of macroeconomic influencers. So, um, you know, uh, Farnsworth Group has uh, got a lot of insight into what's going on in the industry. They're really close to retail. They're really close to manufacturing and distribution. So, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of do the old tag team uh, presentation. If anybody has attended our State of Independence Conference in the past, Jim and I have been doing this kind of uh, report together live and in person. So now you're just going to unfortunately be able to see Jim and Jim and myself at a webinar, or maybe that's, that's fortunate. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we have a tendency to out handsome one another when it's in person. Well, the internet is forever. Um, and luckily, uh, these webinars will be available. Um, so you can register to attend the December 16th uh, debut of this presentation at yournhpa.org slash webinars. Um, and then, you know, if you can't make it, it will be available after that point, um, but we definitely encourage you to join on the 16th. Um, and hey, a big shout out to, um, I probably should have mentioned this, um, to our sponsor, Epicor, mm. who is sponsoring the web webinar, and they sponsored, um, they're sponsoring our strategic webinar series uh, right now. And we did one a couple months ago about COVID's impact on the home improvement industry. And, and big thank you to Epicor because they really think, you know, you know it's obviously a company that, that is invested in data and they think that research and data is really important uh, for businesses to be successful. So we appreciate their support on these webinars. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that um, and the strategic series because it's not something that's kind of a one and done. Um, in 2021, um, NHPA is kind of embarking on a new um, delivery method for content, I guess you could say. Um, so we're really excited to um, launch several series coming up um, in 2021. So we have the strategic series, um, which which kind of, you know, touches on that that data and those, those industry experts. Um, and for those retailers that are really interested in big picture um, planning and strategy. Um, and we also have a leadership series coming up next year. Um, so that's really targeted to retailers who may be new to the industry or young retailers who were kind of getting started um, and, and what kind of key information about how to grow in their careers and, and discover opportunities. Um, and then the last series we have launching next year is the operations series. Um, and this one is focused on kind of those day-to-day -day managers um, who are developing processes um, and, and improving company culture. Um, so there's really something for any type of, of content or, you know, any role you play in, in a hardware or paint business. 
um, launching next year. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um, and if yeah, lots of exciting stuff coming out uh, next year. I mean, what you you launched your podcast this year, which is continuing the next year. So we have three podcasts um, uh, that are providing information to the industry. We're, we have the the webinars, the two magazines. So. You got a lot, of, lot to, lot to do next year, Mel. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm figuring that out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna delegate some stuff. So be sure to check your email. <laughs> yeah. oh. um, so, Dan, if there's, if there's one word besides unprecedented that you could use to describe 2020, what would you say? Um, one word to describe 2020. Um, <laughs> that is not unprecedented or unparalleled. Um, you know, I, I you've already gone really past hard. one word. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to boil it down into one word because I think that um, uh, I'll just say meaningful. Okay. Um, and you can take that in a lot of different ways because I don't. I mean, I think there are a lot of encouraging things that came out of 2020, and there's a lot of just horrible, awful things that came out of 2020. But I think if we can all understand the the gravity of everything that's happened and take some meaning out of it, then that is uh, um, the best we can do with something like this. And, and we can learn from it and become stronger and better because of it. Um, I was, I was going to try to answer my own question and in true editor fashion, I consulted the thesaurus. The word that came to my mind was, was reposition. Um, I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of things that, that caused people to kind of stop and, and rethink, you know, is this the best way to do this? Um, you know, should I, does this make sense to do it in this environment? And when we're out of this environment, do I go back? Um, so I, I think there's just been a lot of, of transition and, um, and consideration this year um, throughout, you know, retail and yeah. business and personal. Um, and, and so we'll see what that looks like when we're past this point. Um, if there's, you know, if there's anything that's going to go back to the way it was, or if, you know, people have made permanent shifts. Yeah. And I, I hope if you and I sit down November next year and you ask me what kind of word describes 2021, I will say peaceful yeah. <laughs> or prosperous. Um, and we won't have to search so hard for a, a descriptor yeah. um, that that truly would represent something like we have not seen before. Maybe. Perhaps you might say precedent. <laughs> <laughs> Uneventful. We'll still go with an unword. I think a lot of us would be happy for, with uneventful. Yeah. Um, anything you're looking forward to uh, in 2021? Um, you know, for someone that probably averaged well over 100 days of travel a year, I think I would never probably say, I'm looking forward to getting back on the road again. But it you know, this last year, I have literally, it is literally in the last almost three decades, been the most time I have spent at home. And that's, you know, there's, again, there's great parts about that. But for someone who has traveled for the better part of, of two and a half decades on a regular basis, um, you feel real disconnected when you're not on the road, and you're not engaging with people and shaking hands and talking to people. Um, and so I miss that. So I do do although I can't believe I'm saying it, miss that face-to-face -face, uh, interaction 
that, that we normally had. So that that's one thing I'd love to get back to um, when we can do it safely and when we can do it uh, in a meaningful way in 2021. Yeah, our editors have expressed the same thing. It's just definitely a different uh, a different way to do storytelling when you're just doing it over the phone or over Zoom and coordinating photo shoots with someone who doesn't really understand what yeah. we do. Um, so we're definitely looking forward to getting back into stores and, and, you know, capturing those, uh, you know, what life looks like, um, for retailers when it's normal going forward. And the funny thing is, if you would have asked my wife what she's looking forward to, she probably would have said Dan getting back on the road again. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to ask it, although it was in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for taking time to talk to us, Dan. There's definitely been a lot going on this year and and we condensed it into a brief episode. Um, So um, it's almost like uh, 2020 went so fast that we were able to explain it in under an hour. It's like a Billy Joel song. (laughs) if anybody gets that reference you gotta be at least my age to probably get it but uh, (laughs) i mean you could rewrite that song (laughs) just this year yeah Uh, but i won't so thanks for having me on the program (laughs) thanks so much dan (laughs) 